And welcome everyone to the First Touch Football Club podcast. My name is Nate Canan, and I am here with Tyler Brook. How's it going, Tyler? I'm doing all right, man. How are you? I can't complain. I'm happy we're in the second week of soccer. Sports are kind of back in all different angles. We got some other playoffs going on. I know you're probably super burnt out of the amount of sports that you're watching and covering right now. Well, yeah, with the uh, NFL back, it's been a lot of freelance writing for Bleacher Report, which has been great. Uh, You've seen me a couple times by the end of Sunday after getting up at 6 to watch soccer and then NFL. I'm like, just don't let me watch any more sports today. It's it's really funny for me to see you and I kind of feel bad sometimes because especially like us like you know we work the normal Monday through Friday kind of jobs and the weekends are for relaxing and I always use sports as part of my outlet but sometimes I just see you so wired in all day because you know you got to stay up to date with a lot of this stuff for whenever you cover the NFL and I think that like the soccer is a bit of a guilty pleasure but obviously with the podcast and this isn't a complaint it's now like we want to watch everything that we possibly can so you can stay as much as uh, up to date and informed for you know all of you lovely listeners out there. Yeah, this is now two out of two weeks where I've gotten up for 6 a.m. matches one of the days which is already two more than I did all last season, including Liverpool matches. I feel for all of our listeners out there on the West Coast because I can only imagine what it's like having to wake up at what, would that be the equivalent of waking up at 4.30 in the morning for a game? Yeah, West Coast would be 4.30, 4 o'clock would be some games. Like At that point, I feel like I would just pull an all-nighter and then go to bed when it's over. That's why I don't think I could survive in California for many reasons, but the fact that you would take away the sweet, sweet release of sleep to make me get up at 4.30 in the morning to try to watch like Tottenham play like how they ha- uh, had a 6.30 game this past weekend. One thing that I wanted to bring up before we kind of get into all of this football talk, because we got a lot of things going on, I'm glad you know we have all the listeners here this week. We have a very interesting guest today, and I say interesting because I'm not sure if he is someone that a lot of the listeners know, but I bet... Every single person that is listening to this podcast that grew up in the area that I did, a.k.a. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, knows who I'm talking about. This week we have none other than Mark Madden, a.k.a. the super genius, joining us to talk some soccer and some Liverpool football because he is a huge Liverpool fan and he doesn't really get a chance to really ever express that side of him on his regular uh, radio show that he has on 105.9 WXDX over in Pittsburgh. Would you just shut up for a second? I'll answer your question. If you think, oh, okay, right. Like, I would really run from a question some moron caller has. Seriously. Okay, hung up. You know what? Now you don't get your question answered, you POS. You don't get your question answered. Some of you people, you know what? Nobody out there knows as much about hockey as I do. Huge personality, to say the least. You want to stick around for that great interview. And then, of course, we have a pitch profile coming up after that, Gareth Bale. But before all of that... Tell me what happened this week with you and social media. You kind of blew up for a little bit there in the uh, football world. Today has been rough. I've had to put my phone on airplane mode a couple times just because it's been blowing up. A really random story happened with my family this week, kind of out of nowhere. I got a text of a picture of my stepnephew. Uh, He was holding a pair of gloves, and it was like, hey, he was at the Indianapolis Colts game on Sunday. A player for the Indianapolis Colts, Darius Leonard, threw him and his buddy his gloves. 
And as I guess they were leaving or something, when he checked in the gloves, they found Darius Leonard's wedding ring in the gloves. It had somehow come off and stuck to the gloves, and he didn't realize it as he threw them to the kid. I, I tweeted the picture out, and Leonard responded like, hey, I need that, and I've... <laughs> Which, you know, fair. I'm pretty sure your wife's going to be a little mad that you don't have that on you. But it's just snowballed into all of these outlets are picking it up. Uh, ESPN messaged me, you know, maybe half an hour ago. It sounds like this story is going to be on SportsCenter, which it's kind of frustrating being in this industry for eight years at this point that the first time I'm going to make it on SportsCenter is because my nephew accidentally found a wedding ring in a glove. You know, man, I, I get it. I could see how that's frustrating, but I bet it's really exciting that, you know, your nephew gets to have that little 15 minutes in fame. That's going to be something that he can look back on it, that he was inadvertently a part of, you know, for many years to come. I, I do have a couple of things that I want to say about this because it was really interesting for me to just be on the sidelines and witnessing in real time. Like you, you showed me the picture in the morning. You're just like, Oh my goodness. Like, this is crazy. They have this guy's wedding ring. And then I told you, he's like, you know, why don't you tweet that out? And then all of this stuff just kind of followed it. But here, here's my real question. Why was he playing with his actual wedding ring on his hand? I was just surprised to hear that. I mean, as a person, I never played football growing up, but I know, and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this podcast can relate, playing soccer, they would always check to make sure that you weren't wearing anything uh, that could be potentially harmful to yourself, especially in football, whereas you see all of these different kind of potential hand injuries that can happen, like broken fingers. I know myself, I have a couple of bad fingers from playing just rugby and getting cleats hit on them, but having like an actual metallic ring on your hand just sounds like that's a that's a potential disaster waiting to happen. So I was even surprised to hear that in the first place. No wonder he kind of forgot about it. Maybe it just happened on accident. So this is a fun fact about NFL players with wedding rings. Their wedding rings they play on game days are not actually metal. They're usually rubber. And a big reason for this is that obviously, like you just said, if you're wearing a metallic ring on your finger, it is going to be so easy for you to break your finger. So I believe actually a former player back in the day, Ronnie Lott, broke his finger that way having his wedding ring on. So they actually do have these rubber uh, black wedding bands. Uh, and the other point is like he he's extremely loyal to his wife. They have been together since like way back in the day, since before he ever went pro. And Darius Leonard, for those who don't know, was a very unknown player before going pro. Come out of nothing. So he's obviously like he's very vocal about how much he loves his wife and everything like this. I talked actually ended up getting a phone call from his publicist today as well. And the, one of the first things she said was like, Of course this happened to Darius. Like this is it always seems like it's something like this that's happening to him and he couldn't be a nicer guy. So honestly, just it's been a wild day. Was it a rubber ring then that the that your nephew and his friend found, or was it a, like an actual metal ring? No, it was, it was a rubber ring. They're saying like from what I heard, like they're apparently not that cheap, but he's just like it's important to him that he wears it during game days. Oh yeah, I'm sure it's very symbolic, regardless of whatever it is. I was just kind of curious because again, just like how we were talking about the potential injuries that could have there, I, I remember when I was a kid playing on those recreational leagues where they were co-ed. I know, again, they were checking to see if you had necklaces on, but then the referees also made the girls hold out their hands so they didn't have any rings on their hand because, you know, that could also be a potential injury. So I'm glad that he was wearing a rubber ring. Sucks that he lost it, 
but sounds like he's getting it back soon. It's just one of those funny stories where like, oh my God, like, can you believe this happened? Some kids got their wedding ring and then have to end up giving it back to them, you know? It's going to be weird when I see this on Sports Center, but you know, I'm looking forward to it. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Uh, but enough about the NFL. I could talk about that on an entirely different podcast every single day. Um, we have a great interview lined up with Mark Madden, quite the personality, like Nate said. Mark Madden is one of those names that I've grown up listening to. He's had a afternoon program on one of my favorite stations back in Pittsburgh. You know, you guys out there are listening to a podcast right now. So on some level, you appreciate you know the audio side of the media. I grew up loving radio, and listening to Mark Madden's show was always something that was part of my like high school experience, and even after in college. Everyone in the Pittsburgh area knows who Mark Madden is, and I'm glad that you know all of you guys out there now get to know who he is, and maybe you'll end up checking out his show after this as well. So without further ado, going to shift focus now over to our interview with the super genius Mark Madden here on the First Touch Football Club podcast. Joining us today on the First Touch Football Club podcast, we have Mark Madden, a.k.a. the Super Genius here joining today. Thanks for joining us, Mark. I grew up in Pittsburgh, and I've listened to your show uh, that you have daily on WXDX. We're very excited to have you today. As I know, and probably some of our listeners know, you've made a career covering sports, very active within the wrestling community. Of course, you cover the Penguins, Pirates, Steelers. Just really excited to kind of give you a platform to talk about something that you're passionate about that I don't think a lot of the Yinzers out there enjoy as much as maybe you and I do. But we're going to cover a little bit of the Premier League uh, soccer today. Well, uh, yeah, that that and hockey are, are my primary loves, really the only two loves I have remaining. When I uh, started to grow a bit older, my, my mother was since passed away told me, as you get older, you will spend more time on the things you love and no time at all on the things that are marginal. And that's pretty much where I'm at now in life and with the things I pursue. So, uh, you know, I, I'm a big Liverpool football club fan. I, I started going uh, after my wrestling career wrapped up because with wrestling, you never took weekends off. And uh, so in 2001, I went to my first Liverpool game, the season opener that year. And I went every year from 01 through 11 with uh, a couple years accepted because my mother was ill and I was taking care of her. But then for whatever reason, I didn't go from 11 through this year. And I don't know why. I, I just always wanted to go when I could see two games, like, you know, the league on the weekend and a cup game, you know, Champions League, whatever, in the middle of the week, and it never worked out. So this year I just decided, look, I'm going to go to the opener. Uh, and, and even if it's only the one game, that's fine. And that's what I did. I saw uh, Norwich beat Liverpool 4-1 to one in the opener. Uh, from the new stand, uh, which was great. Yeah. And I uh, I also went to Burnley on Saturday. They had a home game against Southampton. That was a good game to watch. I always try to catch as many games as I can while I'm over there. And now, of course, with the pandemic uh, pretty much kidnapping uh, the world and, and, and certainly everything I like to do, whether it's concerts or live sporting events or travel, I am so glad I got to Anfield for that opener for the first game of the first uh, – English championship in 30 years because who knows if I'll ever get the chance yeah. to do it again. So that was just a, a big deal for me to go this year. And I'm not really not going again, but boy, with no fans in the stands and the travel so limited 
and me being 59 and having taken horrible care of myself, it, it really does make you wonder. I was lucky enough to get to go for the first time this year. I, my plan was just kind of what you were talking about. I wanted to do two games. I wanted to do Champions League Atletico Madrid, and I wanted to do Everton. Bought the tickets. Everton got rescheduled, and then the pandemic hit. So I was lucky enough to get to see Atletico, even if it was a loss. But what an environment. I could – I. Oh, there's nothing like it. There's yeah. nothing like Anfield – except if it's uh, Old Trafford or Goodison. I mean, the atmosphere that I've encountered, all the games I've gone to over there have been amazing. In in 02, I think it was, I went to the Merseyside Derby at Goodison, a 3-0 win. Owen scored twice. Harry Kewell scored. Harry Kewell scored and then jumped into the visiting fan section <laughs> within touching distance of me, which was just something I'll, I'll never forget. But, but nothing beats Anfield. I mean, as Liverpool fans, we're going to be prejudiced, but uh, – I, I've been to, you know, countless sporting events in America. I've been to the Super Bowl. And the atmosphere at the Super Bowl does not compare to a regular season game at Anfield. So, again, I hope to get back there again. My dream vacation, and I forget the exact year I had the ticket stubs at home, but uh, at one point in the mid-2000s, my favorite rock band is a relatively obscure English bass group called UFO. Uh, probably did the best live album ever, Strangers in the Night, 1979. And they, they sold some tickets. They drew some money in the 70s, and they still exist today, albeit with uh, two of the Gory Days members, the singer and drummer. But in the mid-2000s, I saw UFO in Liverpool on Tuesday. I saw Liverpool beat uh, PSV Eindhoven Champions League on Wednesday, Crouch and Gerard with the goals. I saw um, UFO in Manchester on Thursday. I saw Liverpool play again at home. I forget who who, who they beat, but they did win. And then uh, Chelsea at Manchester United on set on Sunday before wow. I left when they were the, the two best teams in the league. That was a game for, for top of the table. So that is easily my best vacation ever. That's great. I really enjoy that. I also appreciate the double dipping on the concert too. Like, What actually drew you to become a Liverpool fan? Like, when did that Oh, all... man, I hate telling this story, so I'll give you the very truncated version. I've been <laughs> sure, definitely. it so many times. But in the, in the 80s, late 70s, early 80s, there was an uh, indoor soccer league in America, major indoor soccer, MASL, Missile. And it was a great league. A lot of the old-timey English and Scottish guys – even some Germans, some some continental players would come over at the end of their careers because you could make good money playing over here. There was a team in Pittsburgh called the Spirit, and I was an intern for them, their PR department, and I uh, also covered the team for several publications uh, after that, kind of on a freelance basis, but it was pretty consistent freelance. And the Spirit had a lot of old-timey English and Scottish players like uh, Graham Fife and Alfie Kahn, who played in, in the Scottish First Division for years. Jimmy Steele, who played for Southampton and was the man of the match in an FA Cup final one year. And they were they would always have VHS tapes of games from back home. <laughs> and they uh, they would loan them to me. And I just, you know, got got used to watching Liverpool with, you know, Dogleash and Sunis. And, and that became my team. Now, to be fair and honest, I didn't become a diehard till the late 70s when you could watch games on TV on Fox Soccer Channel. It's one thing to watch from afar. I remember Sports Channel America would have the occasional, very occasional Liverpool game on. But then in the late 90s, it went from something I liked to an addiction. And it's been pretty much, you know, white knuckle time ever since. And and one thing that to, to discuss my past, uh, you know, I'm a lifelong Penguin fan. And I always say, and people laugh when I say this, but it's true. 
1975, when I was 14 years old, the Penguins played the New York Islanders in the Stanley Cup quarterfinals. If, if the Penguins win, they get to the semifinals. That would have been only the second time in franchise history. It was rarefied air for the team back then. And we blew a three games to none series lead against the Islanders. And I was at the last game, one nothing loss at home. A guy named Eddie Westfall scored on a backhand late in the third period to win it. And ever since then, I mean this very seriously, I can never embrace victory until it is mathematically won. Mm. Until the standings dictate or until the clock hits three zeros, that scarred me. And uh, that's why even though Liverpool led by a ridiculous amount, you know, very early in the title race, I had to see Chelsea beat City that day before I felt comfortable. And then, of course, it was like the, the weight of the world was off my shoulders. So what did that feel like then when the season got canceled? Because I know I felt like I was kind of in limbo. Like, I felt okay, but, like, were we going to get the trophy? Like, oh, no, we... I, di- I didn't feel okay because if the season hadn't been completed uh, and we would have been awarded the trophy with, with what was it, a, I believe an eight-game lead with nine games left or something like that, Idiots like that that uh, jerk off who who couldn't even hold Oasis together would have found a way to try and invalidate and guys in one of the biggest money groups ever and him and his brother can't get along. Be a professional. He could never <laughs> cut it in football. And uh, and so people would have found a way to discredit and invalidate. And I thought there was a slim chance that the FA might have declared the season null and void and no champion, even though we all would have known it. it you know, it would have given you know. Uh, fans of other teams, the ammunition they needed to hold that over Liverpool's head forever. So mm-hmm. uh, the way it, the way it worked out and ended wasn't perfect, you know, having no fans in the stands. And it looks like it'll be a while until uh, the cop is full anyway. I know they're hopeful to have a fraction attending in the uh, English League, I think, in November. Mm-hmm. And you know how you can travel to England, but you have to quarantine 14 days when you get there? Yeah. If I could see a Liverpool game, I would consider that. Yeah, <laughs> I would absolutely consider that. But here's the thing with capacity limited. I've been there enough where I would feel bad that I was denying somebody from there a chance to go. 100%. When it's packed. I, I don't feel bad because, you know, there are people like me all over the stands, you know, uh, people traveling from afar, including America. But uh, I think it'll take the, the all the tickets being available until I go again. But uh, I can't wait till there's even anybody in the stands for Liverpool to play again, because the celebration will never stop. Uh, even if even if it doesn't happen, I don't know, until a year from now when we didn't win the league a second straight time, it, it will be glorious when the turnstiles are open again. Yeah, I'm, I'm obviously excited about the season. Glad it kicked back off with a win, but I'm a little worried about the back line, honestly. I think we've seen some issues with, you know, giving up goals since Project Restart. Like, I get the, uh, F- the game against Arsenal with Nico Williams out there just getting exposed, but, like, what do you think the issue is right now with the back line? Oh, I don't think there's an issue per se. I just think there's still a bad championship hangover. Yeah. What with there being so little time between the seasons, I'm not trying to make excuses in advance, but I think that's true. And I also think it's going to be tough to have that mentality now for a, a fourth season in a row, really after having won the league, having won the champions league and finished second and having been runner up in the champions league the year before. I also think it's not good that they've stood pat I understand it because they're not going to pay over the odds unless it's a really special player. I don't think Thiago is that player. I, I think mm. for a fair price, he's a guy you want to get. And I do think they need that creative midfielder 
uh, now the teams are parking the bus. Uh, although if, if they all play like Leeds, I think we probably will win the title. But I think it's going to be really tough to win the title a, a second straight season. I think that's always been hard. I, I think City is is loaded, but they haven't addressed their need on defense beyond Ake from uh, Bournemouth. Mm-hmm. Although that said, he's always played well against Liverpool. Yes. And he's an established Premier League defender. And that's one thing when you buy a player to play in the PL. If he's from Europe and he's on defense, he's going to struggle initially because it's a totally different way of playing. It's more physical, but yet it's really fast. It's really skilled. It's all of the above. So I think City's going to be really hard, but uh, I thought they would have gotten Kubaye by now. I'm shocked they have not yet got him, although I expect they eventually will. And I think Liverpool will make a move too, but here's a bold prediction, guys. You could save this for next year. I think one thing Liverpool have established with a transfer policy that everybody likes to pretend is 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 established and spoken and written in stone yeah. but from what i observe they will spend over the top for the player that can make a difference i think that if mbappe leaves psg next year that liverpool will be among the favorites to get him that doesn't mean they will and he might be one of those guys that always dreamed about playing for madrid or barca or whatever but i think they will be in with a chance for mbappe now one thing i would do now if they don't get Thiago, I would bring Coutinho back at, at a cut-rate price, to be yeah. sure, but they need that type of player. I just don't think Klopp wants to recycle, and yeah. I understand that too. The teams I support, it always makes me roll my eyes when you bring a guy back, especially one who left not on bad terms, but certainly wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I'm glad you brought that up um, because I think Klopp's whole transfer strategy is kind of the, if they beat us, we're going to sign them. I think we've seen that a couple times. I think of the best examples, Minamino, Minamino for uh, RB Salzburg. Like he scored against us in the Champs League and it just found like Sadio Mane is another example back in his day. So I am a little curious about that. If you would be willing to bring in Coutinho. I don't think he's willing to bring in Coutinho. No, mm-hmm. no, I think he'd love to get Thiago. And I think, you know, Klopp obviously has say in, in the personnel, but there's a big say from above on money, and you can't criticize. Look how successful it's been. As rich as Liverpool are, as much money as FG has and have spent, you know, they're not owned by a country, Yes, for God's <laughs> sake. They, they can't possibly spend at that level. You have to be realistic. But, uh, but I have a lot of faith in uh, FSG as well as obviously in Klopp. So I think the right thing will get done, but I also realize that you can't win every year. And I know it's a demanding fan base, but I hope it, it understands if, if the club, you know, doesn't uh, win the PL this year or make a long run in Champions League, although I think the potential is there for both. Yeah, I think creative midfielder is definitely, you know, top on the list of priorities. But another thing I'm thinking about is, you know, backline depth. You know, I think it really hurts that Lovren and Lalana are gone. So I would like to see, I know we brought in that uh, Samikas guy from Olympiacos. Yeah, who immediately like- got covid <laughs> yeah, rough. It was a rough start. It would just be nice to see another, you know, I think they always do a good job finding good value on those cheaper transfers. So I'd like to see another one of those is like, a, you know, a yeah, I don't think they'll miss Lalana, although I have a lot of respect for what he did Yeah, for the club. I just think Lovren was a meat and potatoes PL, you know, big lug on defense who, yeah. who you could count on, especially against the weaker teams. Yeah. He was one of those guys you could throw out there against, you know, uh, Aston Villa. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they just weren't going to score based on a mistake he made. You know, against City, you know, I, I would sweat, you know, uh, yeah. Lovren in there a little bit there. But I don't, I don't think they need much. Uh, I wonder what they're going to do with Rian Brewster. Yeah. Uh, it seems like they're on the verge of selling him. And I got to be honest, 
guys like that, the young guys, if they can't break in right away, they don't often break in with a big club. Yeah. So, it, so uh, I'm not sure how I feel about him. He reminds me of what, what's the kid's name? Ben, what was his name? Woodburn. Ben Woodburn. Woodburn. Yes. Woodburn. Yeah, see, I, it shows how his stock's falling. I forget who yeah. he is, but he was <laughs> one of those guys. Oh, this guy's going to be a great player for Liverpool. You know, what a young talent. And he went nowhere because he couldn't go nowhere then. So why would he go somewhere now? It's, it's hard not to get excited about Brewster because he played so well in the preseason. But at the same time, I think that helps with his transfer value. If you are trying to get something out of him, you don't think. And he was great that. at Swansea. Yeah. And great he really at Swansea. Was. The thing about him is no matter how he's done in the preseason and did at Swansea, you know how you feel about him. Mm-hmm. You know, can this yeah. guy replace a Marne or a Firmino or a Sala at some point? And I don't think talent-wise he's of that class. I just don't. Yeah. I think he's pretty good, but I think Origi is a good alternate striker. And you could always, you know, play Ox up front or or, right. or whatever. If Sala or one of the front three get hurt, there's no replacing them anyway. Not really. I, I just wanted to bring up Sala again just because he had that, like, look in his eyes against Leeds on that hat trick. Do you think there's a golden boot coming his way again for the third time? Well, I was worried about him at the end of last year. I thought he fell yeah. off a bit after the restart. But but I think he could certainly score goals with anybody. I think that he and Marne probably don't like each other as much as you would think. Mm-hmm. I, well, put it this way. I think they see each other as a challenge. Yeah. So when one scores, they'll look for the other to score. And, uh, and one thing, too, that's worth noting about Brewster, if you do think he can be a regular forward in the Premier League at some point, then you might want to keep him because I think this is the last year we have all front three together. Mm-hmm. I think at some point uh, – I think Salah will probably stay. I think Marne will probably want to go at some point. I think Firmino knows it's perfect for him there like it would be nowhere else, and I think he'll stay as long as he's wanted. Yeah. Well, if you can get Mbappe, then problem solved. <laughs> yeah, that would certainly uh, that would certainly be nice. But uh, but so but I, I think Liverpool will have a real good season. They're still really strong on paper in the back. Like you said, that Leeds game was a bit of a nightmare. One of the problems is, is that – and this is blasphemy to say. When I say it on Twitter, I get crucified – I think Trent's awful on defense. I think he shuts down too much. I think he sees himself more as a attacking force than a defensive force. I was amazed when Virgil made that terrible play. Oh, yeah. Uh, to, to cough up that goal. And, you know, it was kind of funny when Alisson let him have it. You could tell he let him have it because Van Dyke looked back and glared because because the goalkeeper told him what was what. I think that's good, too. I think that's healthy. Virgil is the guy that appreciates that, especially because he's always the guy screaming at everyone exactly. else. So, yeah. Exactly. And I, I got to tell you, I love Gomez's speed. He gets caught at sixes and sevens more than I would like, but he is young. I just would like to see a little improvement from him this year over last. I know he was very good last year, but I think there's another level he could still find. But, you know, for a center defender who has size and ball skill, to have that speed, that is a rare and devastating combination. I wanted to uh, shift gears to a little focus about the, the great city of Pittsburgh that I come from. I got a name drop whenever I can on the show, living in Chicago now. Um, obviously, there has been some connections with like the American superstar, Christian Pulisic. His dad was the assistant coach at the Riverhounds. Yep, yep, I, do you ever see Pittsburgh really becoming a soccer city? Like, I'm personally surprised to see a city like Cincinnati accepting soccer faster than Pittsburgh because they've already got a team in the MLS. No, I, I don't think Pittsburgh will. We have the Riverhounds who play in the USL's top division. But, you know, they won the, uh, the regular season conference championship last year. And, you know, the, the biggest crowd was like 5,000 people. Where Cincinnati, when they had the USL team – 
they, you know, they were selling out that uh, college football stadium, right. Or coming close. So, yeah. you know, 20, 30, whatever thousand. So no, I don't think so. I'd like to see it happen. Pittsburgh doesn't have a huge population. Doesn't have a lot of money either. And I think with the Steelers, the Steelers are so front and center. The Penguins aren't far behind them. Now, if you know, my, my dream is for the Pirates to move because they're useless and the owner's a hillbilly thief. My goal is for the Pirates to move and for the for the River Hunts to go into MLS and make PNC Park a soccer stadium, but I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. So to answer your question, no, I, I really don't see it. Uh, I think that the Premier League soccer is more popular in Pittsburgh than any Pittsburgh MLS team could ever be. I just don't really know like if there's any way to convert all the Yinzers out there into, you know, wanting soccer a bit more in terms of like a professional, more competitive professional level. Than but you we see, have you, you think more highly of the city than I do. I think it's a dumb city, <laughs> not a great sports town a lot of the time either. It's very fair weather, which pretty much every, you know what though, that's not true. None of the, none of the English Premier League fans are fair weather. I mean, that's one of the things I like about it so much. And, you know, you support your team till you die and you never switch and, you never give up, but uh, but yeah, I I I don't think it'll happen. And uh, like I said, I don't think there's the money to go around either. With with you know, people have talked about bringing the NBA here. I don't think it would stand a chance either. And that's not because basketball is unpopular here, just because of the of the financing of the city, the money to spend. I think the personal gripe that I have, and you probably share the same opinion as I do, as I listen to your show, is that we try to outdo Philadelphia all the time. And, you know, that city, they have a professional basketball team. They have the, the union in the MLS. And we, we can't get, like, our kinds of fandoms up to there. Like, though we are, are statistically better with, like, hockey, but that's about it. Better yeah. in every way in hockey. I mean, Philadelphia, you haven't won the Cups in 75. They're, worse, they're almost as bad as, as Spurs. Oh, you're a Spurs fan too, right? Yeah, but, yeah. I actually didn't know that one. I, I actually had forgotten that when I said it, but still, that's, that's kind of fortunate. Oh, I already make jabs. It's fine. So I encourage jabs at Tottenham at any point. Well, you know what's funny? I, I hate I hate to rub it in, but I I wrote a song for the Flyers because I hate the Flyers. I hate the Flyers more than any sports team, and that includes like all the Premier League rivals. And I based it on the Arsenal song. Have you ever seen Tottenham win the league? And uh, it is. Have you ever seen the Flyers win the cup? Have you ever seen the Flyers win the cup? Well, they've done a lot of trying, but unless you're close to dying, then you've never seen the Flyers win the cup. Because I hate the Flyers with the, with a burning passion that is unmatched by anything. That was one of my first things I learned when meeting Nate was just the disdain Pittsburgh has for Philadelphia. I was not prepared for that. Well, you know what? It, it's kind of dying out. And I'm sad to say that a lot of the Penguin players don't quite feel it like uh, like the way that the old-timey fans do. Like Sidney Crosby, he kills Philadelphia. I think that's his second best opponent as far as actual production. But he said to me one time, he goes, you know, I don't hate the Flyers as much as you do. And I go, well, that's a shame because you're supposed to. Yeah. Um, well, Mark, one question that we ask all of our guests, um, our podcast is about the celebration, spreading out the joy of soccer. And we've already gotten a couple of good submissions for this question that we call the pub of the week of, in the Pittsburgh area. Uh, I'm just kind of curious on your end, is there any place that you enjoy personally, because we want to give some love to these small businesses with everything going on with COVID that you can go to on the weekends that you think about when you want to watch a Premier League game in the city of Pittsburgh? Well, well yes. Uh, Piper's Pub on the south side. Ground zero for, for soccer in Pittsburgh. Now, there's a place called Canes in Mount Lebanon that is a Liverpool supporters uh, uh, bar. But I'll be honest, I haven't watched the Liverpool game in public for years and years because I just get too wound up. 
Yeah. You know, and to be honest, like even the Pipers, I've had like fans from other teams literally give me a hard time when I'm trying to watch the game. And um, and I'm just not in into interacting while Liverpool are playing. Although one time when Liverpool played City in the cup final, the uh, League Cup final, what was that, like four or five years ago maybe? League Cup. Yeah, yeah. I want to say it wasn't that long ago, maybe two, three. Yeah, well, well, Canes hosted a viewing party. They ha- they hired me to MC, and I never saw this coming, and I don't know why, but it was packed. It was so packed I couldn't talk. It was so packed and so loud. So that was great. I got paid for doing nothing. Uh, <laughs> I, I prefer it. But uh, but yeah, Piper's Pub for sure. One of my favorite stories from Piper's Pub was well, actually, I actually had a physical altercation with a Chelsea fan once. But uh, when I say physical, he mopped off till I slapped him, and they threw us <laughs> both out. Chelsea and fans deserve that in my book. So they threw us both out, and I got to come back the next day, and he didn't <laughs> because I'm a celebrity. Let's be honest. And uh, but no, one time I was there when I used to go there to watch Liverpool before all the games were on regular TV, right? Sometimes you had yeah. to go to Pipers because they had the complete, you know, satellite, you name it, they had it. If you could get it, they would. So I'm watching the game, and a guy comes up to me in the first half. And he goes, hey, uh, what do you think the Steelers are going to do this year? What do you think of Ben? And I go, bro, I go, let me watch the Liverpool. I'll talk to you at halftime. Let me watch the Liverpool game. He goes, okay. But he comes back a minute later goes, hey, I just want to – I go, let me watch the Liverpool game. I'll talk to you at halftime. Let me watch the Liverpool game. And he comes back again. And I go, I go, do you listen to my show? He goes, yeah. I go, then you must know how important this is to me. So F you, F the Steelers, F Liverpool, F, F – excuse me, I wouldn't say that. F, F, F Rottlesberger and F off. And I wouldn't talk to him, period, not even at halftime. I mean, you got to learn when to leave people alone. But uh, but that said, Piper's is number one. Great atmosphere, a lot of TVs, a bit small, but great food. I'm, now, you should go there, Nate, because it's, it's the Spurs supporters' headquarters. Yeah, that's one of my favorite places. I always stop there whenever I'm back in Pittsburgh. A longtime friend of mine, Tony Jamie, who was the founder of the Pittsburgh Spurs Supporters Club, and he passed away uh, a little over a year ago, I think. And I still miss the guy. He was a great fan and a great friend. Like back when nobody knew about Pipers, me and him and a guy named Dave McKenzie, who played for the Pittsburgh Spirit and still lives in Pittsburgh. He's Scottish, but moved to Canada, played for the Canadian national team a couple of times. It used to be only us three there to watch soccer back when. And it just grew exponentially over the course of, boy, 20 years now. It must be 20 years now. It was funny because when uh, – Again, boy, I'm telling a lot of jokes at, at Spurs' expense. It's but, fine. Uh, I, I approve. When Liverpool beat Spurs in the Champions League final, uh, that was not that was not long after Tony passed away. Uh. And a Spurs supporter at, at the Piper's Pub said to me, wouldn't it have been nice if Spurs would have won and you knew Tony was watching from above? And I go, no, I'm perfectly content with the way it worked out. I hope Tony was watching from above. That's just like, that's just on Brantford, like Tottenham. Like I've learned to, you know, like them as following along with Nate. Like, it's just like kind of a lovable team. That's like, it's like my Indiana Pacers, you know, they always play pretty well. Are they ever going to win a trophy or a championship? I don't know. Probably not. Well, my buddy plays for Indiana, TJ McConnell. Oh, I love TJ. Yeah. He's he's... His dad, Timbo used to play hockey against me way back when he's a real good high school coach here at Chargers Valley high school. I got to tell you, um, you know, I, I don't think Mourinho's the guy for Spurs. I don't think he's a quality so, manager yeah. at the top level anymore. I think he's too ingrained in his personal preferences and how football used to be. I thought Everton looked really good against Spurs in that in that game on Sunday. I got to tell you, I'm not an Everton fan, needless to say, being a, right. a little Republican. <laughs> but uh, some of the pickups they made, if they can keep Hamas interested, 
they're not going to threaten for the top four, but they're going to threaten for the top six anyway. Yeah. And I thought he played a marvelous game then. Thomas is one of my guilty pleasures. I have X amount of players I really enjoy watching that aren't Liverpool players. And Ronaldo's always been one. And Hamas has always been one until he totally went south for how many years after that great World Cup for Colombia? The World Cup is where I fell in love with him. I mean, like, just started watching him. He was an incredible player. He was doing it for the country. The fans adored him. It was really cool to watch. It was a cool moment during that World Cup. And he looks like he means business now, but for how long? I think he's more preoccupied with being an underwear salesman as opposed <laughs> to being a footballer. Then again, Ronaldo did both, didn't he? Yeah, he did. They do have a lot of talent, Everton. So, you know, I wouldn't say I'm worried about them, but I definitely think they can compete. I well, think Calvert-Lewin's Kelsey pretty talented. Worries me. Yeah. Chelsea bought so much. And I think that Hoberts is a great player. I think he's better than Werner, actually. I think yeah. he'll make more impact, certainly in the long run. I don't know about Chilwell. I like Zayek. Uh, Thiago Silva is an old-timey defender. And I think they needed one of those. Yeah. They still haven't really solved their goaltending problem, have they? They have not. And I, I have heard some rumors that they're going to bring in someone. I cannot remember his name for the life of me right now. Somebody but... from the French League. Yes, someone yeah, like that. I, I saw that, too. I mean, you know what's amazing? Keppa looks the part. When yeah. you look at him and you, you look at his acrobatics and, you know, the way he's set up, he looks like he should stop the ball. He just doesn't as much as he needs to. United didn't add anybody. You know, Van de Beek, um, you know, he's he was on Dawson's Creek. How worried could I be about him? <laughs> uh, and I think he'll help. And I think they came out of last season hot. I mean, look how they played against Liverpool the last two times. But still City. I, I don't know what to think about City. I – they wasted time trying to get messy when you just knew that was never going to happen. And if they don't get a better defender to partner, uh, what's his name? The French guy, Laporte. They need to get somebody quality to partner him. No, Fernandinho's washed up. Yeah. Uh, in the midfield, too, he's washed up. So, uh, but um, I think it's going to be, I don't know. I, you, you never know. I mean, Liverpool and City have just set such a pace the last two seasons. I think, I think they're going to drop back a bit. I think a few teams will catch up. I think the notion that any team's going to lose like one, two, or three games this year, I think you'll be able to lose five games and win the league, maybe six. Which is so rare after the past few seasons just because of that utter dominance from Lansing. But, does, but doesn't it feel that way, though, guys? Yeah. yeah. Does it feel like we're due for that kind of season? Like We need parity. Yeah. Like, there were a few times United won the league back during their run when they would have been third and fourth a lot of years. Yeah. But, but you know, but, but to, to be fair, they, they played well in the games they had to when a lot was on the line. And that's just, what it takes to win it, win the Premier League more than anything. With everything going on in the world, it just kind of feels like a perfect storm for there to be parity in the Premier League again at the top. So, you know, even as Liverpool fans, I have to be excited about it just as a fan of the whole Premier League. I think a more competitive Premier League is good for American fandom in soccer. I, I don't care at all. I just want Liverpool to win the league. <laughs> Uh, I'll tell you what, though. You know who everybody's overlooking again this year is Wolves. Yeah. Wolves, Wolves were so great. good last year, and I bet they're pretty good again this year. They got all those Portuguese guys, the Portuguese coach. They're, they're a team where the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Yeah, it's someone I, I respect a lot just because they were in the championship just a couple years ago, and it does not take them long to take off. Uh, Raul Jimenez got off to a great start this past week, so I do think the sky's the limit for that team. They did right by Liverpool last year. They beat City twice. Yeah, they As play I, City again uh, this weekend at the time of recording this. I was doing my show when Liverpool clinched the title when Chelsea beat City, too. I cried on the air. It was tremendous. Amazing. And because um, and I took off for the game the day before to watch Chelsea and, and uh, pa- excuse me, Liverpool and Palace. But uh, I was on the air uh, the second time that Wolves beat City. And I in tribute to Robert Plant, I said that I would give Wolves every inch of my love. 
<laughs> and uh, I didn't follow through on that. Nobody was interested. I, I think that's uh, about all that we have here, Mark. Is there anything that you're looking to promote that we should let the uh, listeners of our show know that you're on right now? Oh, I'd like to retire, as a matter of fact, mostly. <laughs> uh, no, no, I, I do my show. If they'd like to listen, they, uh, it's on WXDX FM in Pittsburgh. You can listen to it on iHeartMedia, the app as well. I, I write uh, a column four times a week for the Tribune Review in Pittsburgh. That's triblive.com. And really, I guess that's about it. Uh, you know, the, the show is, you know, Pittsburgh sports primarily. We go off the rails a little bit. There's the occasional soccer mention, but as much as I love soccer, that's not where the money is. So I'm very careful about that. But, uh, but yeah, that's about it. This was a lot of fun. I, I hope uh, I hope the league's as good as it shapes up to be. And uh, this was good. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on, Mark. And that was the super genius Mark Madden. I hope uh, you guys enjoyed that as much as we did. It was quite the full circle for myself having him on. Love to have him on again if he ever wants to come back around and talk a little bit of Liverpool. Some interesting takes there for sure. Um, I know probably some things that you and I can discuss here that we've been scratching our heads about ever since after the fact, uh, you know, just with some transfers coming up. Most particularly, Tyler, I just can't stop thinking about the idea of Mbappe going to Liverpool. Yeah, it, it's great that we got ahead of this before the Tiago signing was official and the whirlwind of a weekend it was for both our clubs. But this Mbappe news is exciting, man. Like, it's been reported that he is officially wanting to leave PSG and one of the two front runners currently is Liverpool. He is a very public supporter of the club, apparently for a while now. I told you off the show earlier today that I was like, it's it's not fair. It's like Messi going to City. And as an American sports fan, I always get like annoyed with the super teams, like the Golden State Warriors when they sign Kevin Durant. I've never experienced this on the other side. Like if this happens, I think I feel a little guilty in a way. Like how is how is that fair to have Mbappe with that club? Super teams are not unique to America. We don't really see that in the Premier League just because it is so fiercely competitive, but Obviously, super teams are a thing. You know, you have Real Madrid, you have Barcelona, you have PSG, you have, of course, the most recent winner of the Champions League, Bayern Munich. Those are all super teams in their own respects. Premier League is a little bit more spread out. I really appreciate the take that you have of, you know, you're you're saying as a Liverpool fan that it's not fair that Mbappe will come over and then create like this super team potential dynasty there. One last thing that I want to say here before moving on to talk about some other transfers. Mark Madden is one of the smartest people when it comes to just sports. And he just kind of threw that idea out there whenever we spoke with him last week. And now here we are, like as of today, hearing that like this could potentially be happening moving forward. Like that guy is just so sports smart. It's just so scary to me. There have been like very small rumblings and there was a running joke with Liverpool fans. Mbappe 2020 was going to happen. And yeah, credit to Mark for bringing that back up. I had been thinking about that lately. Like, whatever happened to that rumor? So the fact that it's resurfaced, the timing couldn't be better with Mark's interview. It's just, I love that Mbappe 2020 has turned into Mbappe 2021. I will say this, if any of the big players, Asadio Mane or Mo Salah leave, I will feel way less guilty about this move. Here on this podcast, the things have been 
clouding our circle have been some huge transfers that happened for both the clubs that mean the most to us, right? Liverpool and Spurs have had some crazy transfers within the last week. So how do you feel that Tiago is now official for Liverpool? Tiago. Ooh. Tiago Alcantara. Ooh, I'm not. I'm not. If I have to hear you sing this like one more time, I'm just gonna like lose my mind because this has just been nonstop every single day. It's like every couple of hours you're singing that song. It's just stuck in my head always now. You know, I I was a little like talking to Bundesliga Borelli about it. I was getting a little excited. The more I watched about him, I was getting excited. But as soon as like pen hit paper and it was official, I definitely started getting fired up about it. And then he. It was just crazy that, you know, a day after signing, he comes on immediately to start the second half against Chelsea. And then he broke. What a first match for him. I like, know. Seriously. Outside of the foul in the box, which is pretty bad to give up a penalty that was saved by Allison, he played so well. The creativity was all over the place. He actually somehow broke a Premier League record for passes. I believe it was passes in a half. He had more passes in the second half than I think any player for Chelsea had in the entire game. Like, just utter dominance and creativity. So, you know, if I was fired up before, one half of seeing him play without any training got me, you know, over the moon. I cannot wait to see what this guy can do the rest of the year. I feel like you can forgive him for conceding that penalty, considering the way that he played that rest of the game, right? At least that's the way that I would justify it. It sucks every time that, you know, your keeper has to come up against a penalty. Fortunately... That was not a conceded penalty. And, you know, the guy played a great game. And obviously playing against 10 men didn't hurt, but I think the confidence boost of keeping a clean sheet against Chelsea is probably what they needed, especially going into a week where they have to play Arsenal on Monday. And Arsenal just, especially lately, has just played them so damn well. And it's infuriating. And I know you'll want to see Arsenal go down as well. Of course. And yeah, every time that Chelsea loses as well is another uh, happy day in my mind as well, too. So, Well, I know. I think we spent enough time on Liverpool, guys. Like, this is your moment to shine, Nate. Tottenham made national headlines. So, like, man, why don't, why don't you just go take it away? How do you feel about your boy Gareth Bale coming back to Tottenham? That's not the signing I want to talk about. I want to talk about our new wonderful left back that we have. That's the signing that I'm most excited <laughs> about. Oh, oh, uh, then I am not prepared for this episode at all. I spent a lot of time preparing about Gareth Bale. So yes, yes, of course, Gareth Bale was the huge news there. But I do want to give Sergio Reguillon some moment in the starlight here. Of course, Gareth Bale is going to dominate the majority of this episode, and we have a great pitch profile coming up on him next if you're not too, too familiar with the Welshman. But I do need to talk about Sergio. I'm so excited to have him considering that like this is not alone gareth is alone this is an actual signing we're no longer going to have ben davis back there and we're going to have such a solid solid back line we can joke around about jose and his park the bus strategy i think that this back line can fucking park the bus with that fat booty like we have dotary on the right we have sergio on the left now and then what's going to be in the center probably eric dyer and uh toby that looks great to me. I'm so excited for that. So I, whenever I heard these two people coming out of Real Madrid to Tottenham, that's something that really got me excited because that back line has just been all over the place for the past few years. 
I, I'm obviously very high on Doherty. I think he's just a weapon on offense as well as being a reliable defender. But yeah, Ricky Yohan's a pretty interesting one as well. I mean, he did have three goals across the Europa League and La Liga last year, uh, along with four assists. Like, the guy can produce as well. And the thing is, too, he's young. He was on loan uh, with Sevilla last season, even though he was a Real Madrid player. He won a cup with Sevilla. So the guy knows how to play competitive football. The guy knows how to win. We were talking trash on Sevilla a couple of weeks ago. There's like, there's no way they're going to come up on top, and they did. So he's going to bring over a lot of experience. And as a young player, he's just somebody that, you know, the club, I, in my opinion, and I think the club wants to keep around and nurture for quite some time. He's only 23 years old. He has a bright future ahead of him. And if he's going to make his home in Spurs back line, I'm, I'm all about it. Uh, I, I guess with that being said, it's time to uh, shift focus on to who is um, currently on a billboard in Times Square in New York City, I believe. Yeah, I, I was very surprised by that. It's just another one of those initiatives the Premier League's doing to try and get more Americans to follow. So, hey, that's great for our brand. So we have to 100% support that, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm on full on support for that. I love seeing those players. Um, especially my Tottenham players getting that prime spotlight in the, the greatest city in North America, New York City, New York, New York, NY, NY, baby. How are you not giving a shout out to Chicago with that title? We both live here. I understand that, but I still love New York, but that's just me. <laughs> but, but, to be real here, that's why I wanted to give uh, Rigion some love here because he is getting so far cast into the shadow of Bale and just was worth bringing up here. And we have the platform to do that. So I'm going to Gareth Bale is now back at White Hart Lane. And it's taken me a couple of days since the news came out to kind of get onto the positive side about this. But I do think that at the time that we're recording this and before he's ever laced up the boots for Tottenham again, I feel optimistic going into that, but it took me a few days to get there. Yeah, I think that's that's understandable. But, you know, I kept trying to look on the bright side for you. Like, everyone loves a good story with their club. And one of the more prolific players in your recent history coming back, even if it is on a one-year loan, like, obviously, it's exciting for the fans, and clearly the team's trying to make it a thing. They have an entire social media campaign with it branded that Bale is back. I guess I should probably go into why I was more pessimistic at first, because I do believe the majority of the Spurs fan base is super excited about this. Yes, Tyler, thank you for showing me the other side of this, because I was just being a little Debbie Downer about this whole thing for so long, and I really should be excited. When do you have players make a historic comeback like this, right? We try to bring up moments like this whenever we can because they are so few and far between. A few weeks ago, we brought up Arjun Robin going back to the club that he originally started at, but that was about a 15-plus year difference in time frame, and the player that Arjun is now is not the player that he was then, the, the prime of his life was, you know, at Bayern Munich. And it's not going to really be the same thing here. And that's kind of what I was feeling a little bit at first with Bale. I was like, okay, you can see that he will be covering this in a little bit about just how his career progressed. So the last several years that he's been with Real Madrid, he has won several trophies. He has won Champions League several times. He has won 
La Liga several times. And I just kind of feel like a jilted lover at this point because he, you know, left the team that I love and he wasn't able to win those trophies with them, but he went somewhere else and now he's coming back. Because, you know, there's somewhere that's deep down in my mind that's just thinking, you know, what if he would have stayed the, this entire time? What if he was able to become the player that he was? Would would, we, would Tottenham have more success during these time frames? And granted, I can say this and I really never got to see the guy play. I became a Tottenham fan basically the year that he left the club. So I never really saw him on the pitch whenever he was, you know, making headlines. And he was really the first big breakout player that Tottenham had. He had a record sign, and we'll cover this a little bit later in our pitch profile on him, that brought the club a lot of money. And with that being said, I do think that the money that they got from him probably helped set up the club that we have today. So there's a lot of mixed emotions that I have because I don't really know what we're going to have, what version of Bale we're going to have. The guy is injury-prone like crazy. He seems to be so in love with the game of golf. It seems like he likes golf more than he likes playing football. So with this whole social media campaign, they're making you feel as if he his heart is back in London, as if this is his home away from home, like this is the place that he's always wanted to be, always he's wanted to return to. I'm slightly skeptical, but I'm starting to want to believe that. And if I want to believe it, I'm going to believe it. And I'll probably end up buying his jersey by the end of the season because he's only (laughs) on a one-year loan. I think for as much as there's social media, you know, hubbub around him, I don't think he has as much pressure as you might be, like as much pressure on him as you might want to believe, simply because... I don't think you guys are expecting you to know, make a champs league appearance, right? Like that's going to be difficult with all the teams ahead of you. But that being said, having a guy like Bale, who knows what the upside is? And, you know, the worst case scenario is he's hurt and he doesn't play, uh, and you guys you know lose some games that you know you might have still lost. But you know the upside is that he takes over opposite side of Hung and Son, and then all of a sudden. Harry Kane comes alive, you guys start winning those tough games, and then all of a sudden you guys are in the Champions League fight. So when you think of the risk-reward here, that's why I was more optimistic about it. I'm like, what's the worst that could happen with Bale coming So if you want to talk about risk-reward, and here's where I'm going to be pessimistic one more time, and I'm going to try to let this be the last pessimistic thing that I say about this. It just sounds like a huge business move. Like Again, we've talked about it in our bonus episodes that you you guys should check out. There's going to be more on the way if you uh, haven't heard them yet. But Daniel Levy is a huge businessman. Like He knows how to make smart strategic moves. And you say, like, what's the risk-reward here? Like, you're right when it comes to pen and paper, wins and losses, draws. Like, can we make the top four? I understand that. The The risk-reward that I'm talking about is actual money moves. I don't know the exact amount that you know, it was going to be into this deal. We'll probably get more details in the coming days or weeks about the actual stipulations of this, uh, this loan deal. Maybe it'll be a loan to buy. I'm not sure. We haven't heard of anything like that yet. But... The the risk is where else could we have spent that money? Maybe we could have you know waited a season and then maybe gotten Lewandowski from Bayern Munich. I don't know. I don't know we could have spent that money. I'm just throwing out an outrageous name because Gareth Bell isn't a pretty outrageous name, right? He's a superstar from Real Madrid, so and he he has a huge price tag behind him. And that's just my thought process there. It's like if we were go like. We, for years and years and years as a Tottenham fan, we've been so afraid to spend money. Tangai Nandambale was our biggest signing 
ever in, in most recent history, actually, I think in, in the club history ever, we don't spend money. So now with the club spending money on bail, it makes me think that, oh, we do have the ability to spend money at a high level. And I don't know if that's because of pressure from like teams like Chelsea just spending a shit ton of money in the in the transfer window. I don't really know what leads to that. I think, but I think in the back of my, I think it's a lot of the NFL deal, right? Like they have a big partnership now with the NFL. That's got to be raking in money. Other clubs really aren't getting. You're right. And with that being said, you know, they're, they're doing the marketing campaign. Bale is back. They're getting the ads in times square. They're striking when the iron's hot with the Amazon thing. I think it's just a big business move to get more eyes on Tottenham, which is fine. Like, hey, hell, jump on the bandwagon. I'll I'll make room for you here. I want more Tottenham fans than anything. But I do want to win trophies, and I do want to build a long-sustaining team, and I do care so much about this club and the players for it. And it it, it, it waits to see what Bale's going to bring to it. I just hope that, you know, you're right, that we, we end up winning more. You know, maybe we end up with a trophy at the end of the season. Where's where's the bandwagon heading? Nothing but misery and pain. Welcome to being a Tottenham fan. You can't be more right, my friend. <laughs> well, why don't we get into this pitch profile? Just because I am a bit more interested in learning more about Gareth Bale outside of the golf course. One of the most decorated players we have ever covered so far on the First Touch podcast. Much is to be said about the Welsh winger who has seen career highs such as two La Liga titles, one Copa del Rey title, four Champions League titles, who has also seen recent lows being injury prone and who has seen probably more of the bench at Real Madrid or rather golf courses. And considering, to say the least, from someone who at one time had had the highest transfer fee that any football team has ever seen. Let's explore into the career and the life of the Welshman, Gareth Bale. Gareth Frank Bale was born in Cardiff, Wales, to parents Frank, a school caretaker, and Debbie Bale, an operations manager. Bale is not the first in his family with ties to football. He is the nephew of former Cardiff City footballer Chris Pike. He attended primary school in Whitchurch, suburb and community in the north of Cardiff, which is the capital of Wales. At nine years old, he drew the eyes of English Premier League team Southampton when he was playing in a six-a-side tournament with his first club, Cardiff Civil Service. Bale continued to show abnormal athletic skills through his young adult life while attending high school in Cardiff. His PE teacher created special rules for every football game for Bale, where he was only allowed one touch on his dominant left foot so that his other classmates would stand a chance at competing at a normal level with him. One other notable classmate of Bale's at this high school is Wales rugby captain, Sam Warburton. Bale began his professional career at Southampton. While the club today is in the Premier League, it was in the championship division at the time. On the 17th of April in 2006, at the age of 16 and 275 days old, Bale became the second youngest player ever to play for Southampton with a 2-0 victory against Millwall. Then, on the 6th of August, Bale scored his first league goal from a free kick to score 1-1 to against Derby County. This started him being known as a free kick specialist. During this time, Bale was selected by the Wales national team for a friendly against Trinidad and Tobago on the 27th of May in 2006. 
Bale took his talents to the EPL in May of 2007, signing a four-year deal with, with Tottenham Hotspur, with the club paying an initial £5 million for the player, potentially raising the deal to £10 million based on appearances and success with the club. Bale played his first game for the Spurs in a friendly against St. Patrick's Athletic on July 12, 2007, but was substituted out in the 80th minute with a minor dead leg. He made his competitive debut for the Spurs uh, just next month against Manchester United at Old Trafford. Then, in his second professional Spurs appearance, he scored his first ever goal for the club in a 3-3 draw with Fulham. He went on to score against Arsenal in the North London Derby from a free kick, and then again in the League Cup home tie against Middlesbrough. His three goals and four appearances was quite the feat especially only 18 years old. In December of that year, Bale did sustain an injury resulting from a tackle. A scan revealed that Bale had actually suffered ligament damage to his right ankle, consigning him to an extended period on the sidelines. He underwent surgery later that month, and it became clear that he was unfortunately to miss the rest of the season due to that injury. In June, just six months later, Bale underwent surgery for a knee injury, rolling him out over two months he missed the club's preseason matches and was projected that he would miss the first few weeks of the 09-10 season. This did not hold back Bale, making the most of his time he had on the pitch, scored consistently in big matches throughout the season. He was named Premier League's Player of the Month in April 2010. This was right after he signed a new four-year contract at White Hart Lane in May as a reward for helping the club reach the 2010-11 UEFA Champions League qualifications. That year, Bale scored his first Champions League goal for Tottenham in a 4-1 home win against Dutch champions Twentle in the second game of the group stages. For his performances... He was named Welsh Player of the Year by the Football Association of Wales. Bale continued to perform at quite a high level with Tottenham, being one of the most consistent players on the team over the next few seasons. He picked up individual accolades during this stretch that even included Player of the Year and Young Player of the Year after an extremely strong showing in the 2012-13 season. This success did attract the eyes of some of the top clubs around the world, particularly in Spain with Real Madrid, who four seasons prior had actually signed Cristiano Ronaldo for a transfer fee worth 94 million euros. Gareth signed with Real for an undisclosed fee, which eventually was reported to be 100 million euros. At the time, it was a world record transfer fee, breaking the previous record that was set with Real and Ronaldo. Around this time, Gareth started making public appearances with his longtime girlfriend and high school sweetheart, Emma Reese Jones. In one of his early appearances with Real, he scored two goals and assisted two more in a 7-3 victory against Sevilla. Following his impressive performance, the Spanish press nicknamed Bale The Cannon. Goals continued to come off the boot of Bale this season. Real Madrid's attacking trio of Bale, Benzema, and Cristiano Ronaldo dubbed the BBC. Together, they finished the season with 97 goals together. Bale's 2015 season came to an end in April when Gareth sustained another injury, this time to his calf. Once again, another injury sidelined Bale, but this did not slow him or Real Madrid down once he returned to play. Bale made 171 appearances for Real Madrid, scoring over 80 goals during his time with the club. Trophies came easy to that squad with teammates like Ronaldo, Luka Modric, Sergio Ramos, Marcelo Vieira, and on and on and on. In 2016, Bale got engaged to his long-term girlfriend, Emma Reese Jones. 
at this time. The couple already had two daughters together and welcomed their first son in 2018. The couple eventually got married in 2018 after postponing the wedding twice. This was due to issues related to the criminal past of Emma's father, who was serving a six-year prison sentence in the United States for his part in a $2 million international fraud case. There was also the incident in September of 2016 where a suitcase containing 1 million euros worth of cocaine, watches, and cash went missing from Emma's grandparents' Cardiff home. The suitcase was believed to be tied with Epiphany Dring, Emma's cousin who worked as a topless model on softcore porn sites and was staying with her grandparents at the time. A gang firebombed her grandparents' car, kicked in her front door, and threw bricks through their windows. Six members of Emma's family then were to live in police safe houses for protection against the drug cartel, who were believed to be targeting them at the time. The pair were concerned they could be targeted by this gang because of Gareth's high-profile career and the fact that the family was extremely wealthy. Armed police met with the footballer and actually guarded his Spanish hotel room to protect him from any intruders. There was talk of the couple moving their wedding venue to Mexico so they could hire bodyguards who could legally be allowed to carry guns for their personal safety. The couple eventually married in a 17th century fortress in Mallorca in June 20th of 2019. Back in the world of football, the BBC was broken up in 2018 with Ronaldo transferring over to Italy to play for Juventus. Injuries hurt Bale throughout most of his career with the club, missing one-third of his matches with Real Madrid. The long list of knocks included calf, ankle, groin, thigh injuries, as well as the occasional illness. That's over 70 matches. That could be almost two seasons on the bench. Despite making key plays and big moments, Bale's work ethic has come into question in recent years. He has been spotted on golf courses more often than on the pitch in recent months. Many were questioning his future with Real Madrid, and it was a very poorly kept secret that Bale was looking to move on. That is what leads us to today. Uh, As of last week, Bale has signed a one-year loan agreement to return to White Hart Lane and put his kit on for Tottenham Hotspur once again. There are rumors that he may miss the first month of pay due to an ankle injury, uh, which seems relatively fitting, given everything else in his career. And that is our pitch profile on Gareth Bale. Thanks again to all the great members of the FTFC. I kind of jumped the line this week. I wanted to highlight him because personally, I wanted to learn a little bit more. I knew we would be talking a lot about him this episode in general with the recent transfer. So wanted to catch all of the listeners up to speed too. Please feel free to reach out to us on our social media and submit your pitch profiles that you want us to cover so that we can deep dive these wonderful players of the game. And even if there's a manager out there too that you want us to cover, we're happy to do that as well. Can we talk about the fact that Gareth Bale's wife's cousin is named Epiphany Dring? Like, not only that, okay, first off, the name's bad enough, but not only that, it was a, a topless model on soft porn sites that was also staying with her grandparents. I got all that right, correct? You hit the nail on the head there. What the fuck? What kind of person is this? I need I'm googling. It. I need to see if there's a picture of this person. I just think that sounds like it should be Idris Elba's um girlfriend in The Wire. That's what it sounds like to me. I think this is the right person and I'm that is not who I expected. What are you saying? What am I seeing or what am I saying? 
What are you saying? You got to describe what you're saying. This is an uh, audio formatted podcast. She's a lot more attractive than I was prepared for. I was expecting like, like whales trash. Like yeah, like whales trash. That's exactly what I was thinking of. This is not whales trash. This is tasteful nudity. No, it's not tasteful. I don't think it's tasteful. <laughs> anyway, that is a little fun fact I did not expect. Uh, we had a Breaking Bad episode when talking about Gareth Bale. But moving on to Bale, just to kind of put a bow on this whole conversation with him. It, again, it's just the injury thing. It's just so annoying to me. I know I went off before saying what else could we have spent with the money. It... <sighs> Just the fact that he's going to start his return back on another fucking injury, just, just it just hurts on some level. Like, there, there is so much happiness that I'm having because it is a good story, you know? Th- there's so much we could have went into his actual career. All the listeners would have been bored out of their mind just hearing, and on this day, he scored this goal, and on this day, he had a hat trick, and on this day, he scored this goal, and on this day, he scored that goal. That's pretty much Gareth Bale's life. Like, he's just a sports player. There's really not much outside of it. Like, he's been playing sports his entire life, and the guy produces. He's also very injury-prone. There's there's not much flavor outside of this that I could really find to really go into details. I'm sure there's probably some other stories that we could have covered, but again, like, this is an audio podcast that we try to keep under an hour long, and we wanted to give you the highlights here, but I, 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 I have an important question. What is his golf handicap? Yeah, we didn't spend enough time in the pitch profile talking about golf. We mentioned golf, but that's really become the meme of his culture recently. He missed the Champions League game that Real Madrid was in because he was on the golf course. I mean, they didn't put him on the bench. They just told him not to show up, so the guy went golfing instead. So his his um, handicap is... He has a handicap of three or four. That's pretty damn good, especially for someone that's not a professional golfer. Wow. I don't even know what that means. He essentially, if he's scoring against someone that's a scratch golfer that's like pro, he essentially gets three extra strokes. Three or four. It's pretty straightforward. But I am not the best golfer, but as far as people I would want to golf with, I think he's now near the top of my list. I would golf with Gareth Bale, but again, I'm not a golfer. You would caddy for Gareth Bale. Come on. It was still interesting as far as like the side stuff. And just like, I think in perspective, knowing how successful he actually has been despite all these injuries, you know, it's, it's pretty impressive to you know hear about. And we talked so much about Gareth Bale this week, as well as, again, thanks so much, Mark Madden, for coming on. It was a joy. Definitely check out his show if you have the chance. You know, you can just ask iHeartRadio and you can find it easily. Um, so let's move on to our Pub of the Week submission from Mark. So Mark was shouting out Kane's Local Bar and Kitchen. They are located at 3239 West Liberty Avenue in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. They're a place for amazing food, served with a smile where friends can go and gather to watch sports and enjoy company. So if you find yourself out there in the Pittsburgh area, tell them the FTFC sent you. And they will be like, what are you talking about? And you're like, you know, it's those guys. Oh, they'll know. And then they'll pour you a nice Guinness. Oh, that sounds nice right now. We will save around the net for next week, unless, Nate, you have anything else today? That's just going to do for me, Tyler. So we will end you this week, as we always do, with there is no room for racism. <laughs> <laughs>